Hello, friends, benders, and non-benders alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. And I hope you're ready for an action-packed episode today, Varney. I absolutely am. And of course, as you know, this is where I would press the a lot happens in this episode sound effect if we were a morning zoo show. I'm very grateful to say we are not a morning zoo show, but (laughs) a lot does happen in this episode, buddy. It's the episode The Guru, which premiered as a two-parter on a lot of streamers have it as a connected finale episode with Crossroads of Destiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... I gotta say, there is way too much going on for us to just do one episode of Braving the Elements. What, what are we gonna do? Stick, smush those both together and try to talk about them both in an hour? Can't do uh, it. New. So we're not gonna treat it like a continuous episode. We're gonna get to the crossroads of destiny after this so that we can devote this whole episode to, if you will, clearing our chakras. All of our chakras. That's right. And we are so excited to have one of our favorite guests that we had from previous episodes to join us here. Oh, yes. One of our all-time faves, Megizzy Pensano, who you may remember from season one, works with Avatar Studios in various ways, including as a native culture consultant. He is, of course, also one of the writers behind one of my all-time favorite shows, Reservation Dogs. Welcome back, Megizzy. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you very much. Awesome to be here again, as ever. We're very glad to have you. Um, is there anything you can tell me about Reservation Dogs that I don't already know that I need to know? Like that it's getting eight <laughs> more seasons? No, same as before. We are right now, we're in the middle of the writer's room of season three. or getting close to the end of the writer's room of season three. So that's it. That's all I can say. <laughs> very, very satisfying. I'll take it. Okay, great. Dante, do you mind reminding us about the last Avatar episode that we covered so we can sort of put ourselves in context of the show? Of course. So the last Avatar episode we covered was the Earth King with Grey Delisle, and the gang finally convinces the Earth King that Long Fang has been hiding the war from him, and uh, in progress is made, including Aang getting word from Guru Patik, and Sokka and Katara getting news from their dad. But Toph gets captured, and Azulami and Tai Lee are let into the palace disguised as the Kyoshi Warriors. That's how the last one ended. Like all that in the last madness. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that those three dressing as Kyoshi Warriors is one of the most upsetting things that happens in this book. Super upsetting. But it is, feels like such a betrayal. It feels <laughs> like, sacrilegious. I feel like to emotionally get over it. It's sacrilegious and it feels yeah. blasphemous. Uh-huh. <laughs> I appreciate that. And also, like, I think when I was reading Avatar Wiki, you know, I like to dig in there to see if there's stuff that I didn't know. It was like rubbing salt into the wound because it said, and of course, the headdress that Azula is wearing is absolutely Suki's. Uh, she stole it. And you know, like, mm. oh, man, this is embittering. Which leads me to think if they stole their clothes, how did those girls leave? What happened? Touche. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that happened offline. <laughs> All right, friends, let's get into this episode. I'm not going to dig too deep into a synopsis because, as we've very much already stated, so much happens here. It's kind of hard to get around. This is one of those episodes, and McGizzy, I'm actually interested in your perspective on this because when you're writing a show and you're in your first season and you introduce these characters and there's this conversation that's happening about like how many characters can we introduce in one episode how many characters can we build out in the body of a season like by the time we're almost to the end of book two of avatar there are so many different things going on that you're just bouncing back and forth from like that's sort of a thing you have to build towards right when you're creating a tv show 
Yeah, big time. So you have to have a shorthand with your characters. You have to have them as well established to get to some of the moments that some of the more exciting moments that this episode has. You have to have traveled with them for a really long time. Um, I had the finale of Reservation Dogs last season for season one. And the way I got around that, because it was an episode where we just had to like wrap everybody up because we never knew if we were going to get a season two. So we're just throwing everything at the wall. And the way that we dealt with that or the way that I dealt with that was to just lock them all in one place. (laughs) We created a tornado (laughs) and in this tornado, everybody is down in the basement in the cellar. And I'm like, okay, we could just air everybody's grievances here to do what what Avatar did with the Guru is exceptional work because there are several storylines happening all at the same time and you're tracking them and each one of them has their own emotion and it all works together. It's wild. Super wild. Could not agree more. It's a phenomenal uh, guest cast. We'll shout out those folks as they come up. Um, This is an episode that was written by our two dads, Mike and Brian, and was directed by our good buddy, Giancarlo Volpe. And this is that penultimate episode before the end of book two. It's setting up this finale. Huge developments around Toph's powers, Aang accessing the Avatar state, Aang's feelings for Katara, and so much more. So why don't we jump into it? Uh, do you want to get us started? What happens when we open the episode? So we open up this episode in Zuko and Iroh's apartment, where Iroh is cooking juke. Uh, much to Iroh's surprise, Zuko seems cheerful. He's happy about their apartment and the opening of Iroh's new tea shop. I mean, he even wants to eat that juke. He, he made it sound like it was smelling really good to him. That's right. Then we check in with Aang and Appa and Sokka, who've been traveling together to drop off Sokka at the fleet of the Water Tribe ships before Aang continues on to meet the Guru at the Eastern Air Temple. Sokka's really nervous to see his dad again. But when he heads into camp, he's greeted with warmth and love and made even more wonderful by an emotional reunion with his dad, Chief Okoda. When he brings in that hug, it was all the feels come rushing in to all of us. And the music is so good when it swells right as Sokka and Hakoda do that hug. And shout out to our friend Andre Suglioso, who, of course, also plays Boomy for being the voice of Chief Hakoda. Yeah. It's a really big deal. The fact that, and we talked about this very briefly, I think, in the last recap, but the fact that it's this sort of foregone conclusion that Katara is going to go to the Water Tribe and then Katara is like, as much as they both want to see their dad, she's like, no, Sokka, you should go. I mean... That's a wonderful moment. And it delivers in this moment like like tenfold. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and by the way, that hug, we don't even get to enjoy that reunion really because we sort of get immediately hurled over to Ba Sing Se where the Earth King is just so, so pleased to have these uh, so-called Kyoshi warriors there. I feel like maybe five seconds go by before he's just spilling the entire surprise attack. He's like, I'm so glad you're here, people I've just met. <laughs> yeah, of course, I can on. trust you. So let me go ahead and tell you exactly what we're planning with the Fire Nation. Uh, come on, and- Phil. Phil Lamar. <laughs> Shout out to Phil Lamar. But come on, Phil. You're going to tell her right now? You just We saw it in the last episode. The naive sort of innocence, I guess that's like Very redundant. But he is so trusting. And there's times when you really empathize with that. 
that and you feel this kind of affection for him. And then there's times where you just want to grab him by the shoulders and go, dude, no, what are you doing? <laughs> no. Right, Mikazi? Exactly. I mean, it's just watching the the animation too is so great. The look on Azula's face, which is like, oh, this interesting. This is it's all like a lot more easy than you'd think it would be. It's Including great. her getting into the Earth Kingdom at She's all. So lucky. <laughs> yeah, like, oh true. wait, we've been hammering away at trying to get in forever. Let's go ahead and just come in and just sneak right in as Kyoshi Warriors. Well, Dad always said she was born lucky. (laughs) Yeah, and you were lucky to be born, my friend. I know. I know. I don't want to go that part. (sighs) Yeah, I don't think the Earth King catches the look from Azula. Possibly if his glasses weren't just little tiny dime-sized discs on the tip of his nose, maybe he would see (laughs) Azula's amber eyes staring at him through that Kyoshi makeup. I'm sorry, I I do get upset about this, and I don't need to attack his glasses. King Kui, I apologize. Uh, I'm sure your spectacles are wonderful. I apologize. I'm just upset. Um, You know what? Maybe it's just reading. Maybe it's reading glasses. So over with the Council of Five, Katara and Momo sit in as the continued sort of strategy for this attack is being discussed and planned and earthbent with these little representations of the real thing happening. Um, I always love the sort of like planning the attack with miniatures part because I love miniatures. So part of me is like, oh, look at that cute little tiny city that they're talking about (laughs) pillaging. Um, So they're there. And I don't know about you guys, but every time I see this episode, I'm like, wait, so Katara's still there. But she definitely cannot have interacted with the Kyoshi Warriors yet. Like, that absolutely cannot have happened because we know that she's going to know immediately. So that's very stressful to me, too, that she's there and you want to be like, but you're over there. So um, maybe this will happen sooner than later because we have General House sending Katara off with scrolls that sort of encapsulate the plan that the king needs to sign off on. That's right. And then after that, we're back with Aang and Appa as they arrive at the Eastern Air Temple. Guru Patik is awaiting the meditative lotus position. And these two don't waste any time getting down to business. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the first step in Aang's new journey comes in the form of banana onion juice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> which yes. Sounds, sounds so gross. Um, yeah. <laughs> hope it's not raw onion juice. I hope it's like banana and cooked <laughs> onions. onions. Yeah, some grilled onions and some plantains. Yeah. From when you first says it, you're like, how would you know that it's... And then you think about the two flavors of those things and you're like, no, you would absolutely know it was banana onion juice. Like, you yeah. would totally no, identify you, those no, two flavors. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to get grilled onions with the bananas. Caramelized, baby. Yeah. Caramelized onions. Some uh. plantains and some grilled onions. Yeah, there you go. Now I you're talking. <laughs> Um, but we bounce from there, from <laughs> bananas and onions, uh-huh. to find out what's happening with Portoff, who's got tricked into uh, getting captured. I think she was going to go meet her mom. So Shinfu and Master Yu are transporting her back to her family in a metal box. And here is the incredible moment that these two guys... It's just a throwaway remark here, but yeah. it's a complete and total game changer. Not just for Toph, but for the entire future of the Earth Kingdom. No, it's yeah. incredible. Oh, very sneaky, Toph. Nice try, but you can't trick me. Let me out of here so I can kick both your butts. Quit your banging. You might think you're the greatest earthbender in the world, but even you can't bend metal. The fact that this, things that have such an incredible impact, not just here, but in Korra, later, that it all just comes from this episode in particular, these moments, is fantastic. Yeah, it's true. You gotta love that. Just tossed away, like, I'm gonna throw the thing that you can't do, and that's going to turn into your motivation for changing the world. Like, oh, thanks for that. It makes you think some things that are really big in our world might have just started off with some off remark from some naysayer. Yeah. You know, and now we can fly airplanes. 
Like, oh, cool. All right. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, meanwhile, back in Bossing Say, Azula walks through their game plan while Tylee and May are taking off their Kyoshi makeup. It, it is kind of impressive that we've talked about this before. After hundreds of years of the Fire Nation trying to break into Bossing Say, these three girls just breezed in with a good story and yep. obviously very sharp outfits. You know? Yes, indeed. And uh, who would have known? All you needed yeah. was a few yep. Kyoshi Warrior cosplays, and you're in. Don't get me started. So Azula's scheming centers around the Dai Li. The Dai Li, which we found out from the last episode, is not 100% with the king. Yeah. So because she's pretty sure that whoever controls the Dai Li controls Ba Sing Se. Back at the Eastern Air Temple, Guru Patik is explaining to Aang what the chakras are and why he has to open all of them before he can master the Avatar state. He uses a very cool metaphor in the form of a creek and its poles that swirl and connect to each other. And when it's blocked, it can no longer flow. It's really beautiful and beautifully animated. We yeah. find out there that there are seven chakras in the body, each with its own purpose. Clearing blockages can be hard and unpleasant work while it's happening, and once you start, you can't stop. That is reminiscent of what Iroh tells Zuko in our last episode, The Earth King, when he's beginning his own metamorphosis. Yeah, and I love that. I mean, that's it's not the first time we've seen characters on this sort of parallel path hitting these blocks at the same time or opening right. and transforming at the same time. And so that really stood out to me this time watching it. I was like, oh, wow, yeah, this is an Aang-Zuko really parallel moment the once Aang, again. Aang-Zuko juxtaposition is always, totally. always great. Uh, and that it's painful. We saw Zuko sweat out his fever and you know, have this like kind of extraordinary nightmarish experience that is part of his transforming, albeit a little slowly, into the person hey. that he ends up being for Team Avatar. It's process. It, everyone Park. does in their own time. Everyone does in their own time. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So the Guru and Aang, they start with a spine, and uh, this represents survival and fear. We see a very red montage, and you'll see, even if we forget to shout it out, you'll see that there are colors that that coordinate with each of the the chakras that that represent the chakras um right. so in this oh, in yeah. this version yeah in this version we have red and it's all of the things that ang fears and instead of like confronting them in the conventional sense where it's like you have to conquer your fears it's actually about surrendering to them which i also love and which ang seems to do pretty quickly. I will say, I don't know how much time is passing in like our sense of it when all of this is happening, but this kiddo is doing a very good job of opening He's flying. We just talked about how long it took Jake and Zuko. This kid is flying through the chakra test like nobody's business. He's in good shape, at least for most My guy is flying through this test. Yeah. He surrenders his fear and one assumes that that's a great place to start because you're sort of opening yourself up and being vulnerable and putting yourself in the hands of Guru Patik. So next, they're at this very cool waterfall to deal with, yes, the water chakra, which is all about pleasure and blocked by guilt. So what does Aang blame himself for? Uh, and I have to say, seeing this montage really hits home 
for how much weighs on this this boy. That particular montage is like, oh my gosh, that's a lot to be carrying around with you as the avatar, but as this young avatar. And so he has to forgive himself. So while Aang works on that, we head over to the Water Tribe fleet, where they've been using Tangle Mines to keep uh, Fire Nation ships from accessing Ba Sing Se by water. And we find out that Hakoda invented these skunkfish and seaweed-filled things, this maneuver that he calls the stink and sink. Um, And I love this because, uh, in my mind anyway, Sokka is Sokka, and Sokka is just who he is because he's him. And when he reunites with Hakoda and we see this like, oh, wait, of course, wait, of course it makes sense that he would have inherited either literally or sort of socially these ideas and inventions and humor of his dad is so satisfying. Are you excited about that, McGizzy, when they, these two get back together <laughs> yeah, and you sort of see what they get up to? I absolutely love it. It's a cool thing because Sokka's been, he's sort of on his own in that world too. Everybody takes things either very seriously or not, you know, like in a different way. And he always has this sort of like element of fun to the things that he invents and the things that he creates. And you're like, but this is the first time you get to see where that come from. And the fact that one of Hakoda's own men is like, uh, like father, like son kind of thing, you know, yeah. like father, just that Chip little, off the that old little block. moment. Yeah, exactly. Or like, it's not just that part of his personality comes from his dad, but it's like the way that the world interacts with him too. And the reason that Sok is so cool with, you know, he's in his own world. He doesn't care. He gets that from his dad too, I think. Yeah love that moment yeah and it's great to see that humor but but also the viability of these inventions realizing like oh yeah like all of these qualities that Sokka gets teased for we do see him save the day many times and and has you know quick thinking and quick ideas and so the chief he's in charge and he's leading with these great ideas as well but there is still some lightness to it some levity to it and some kind of joyfulness in even the most like scary and hard of things, which is like, how do we attack people? How do we wage war? Which is, that's rough. Um, and then when the, uh, the four Fire Nation ships are seen approaching, you know, Sokka's countered along with all the other men to get ready for battle, which is another really wonderful moment because we see that, you know, he's had that and you were here with us for Bato. And we saw this kind of rite of passage that Sokka experiences with with Bato and with his friends. And um, but you feel the acuteness of the missing piece of like, yeah, but now he's with his dad and now it's real and he's he's with the tribe. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you want that sort of I mean, pat on the head feels like too condescending, but you want that sort of approval or whatever from him. And so for his dad to be, were you listening? Like, go get ready. Like you're yeah. a soldier in this in this thing. It's like oh, and so it's so heartwarming, but also a little terrible because they're literally going to war right yeah, now. Right. Totally. Right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy for you. Um, I'm also so scared for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Big time. laughs> uh, but now we get to the thing finally that we actually showed up for here today, uh-huh. uh, which is Iro's new tea shop. Of course. Uh, <laughs> totally. <laughs> straight away, Iroh drops some new, some classic Iroh wisdom on Zuko, telling him to follow your passion, life will reward you. But the real gift for Iroh isn't so much the success of the tea shop, but it's Zuko's attitude. Yeah. It's his mood. Congratulations, Uncle. I'm very thankful. You deserve it. The Jasmine Dragon will be the best tea shop in the city. No. I'm thankful because you decided to share this special day with me. It means more than you know. And we go from two Fire Nation characters straight into the Fire Chakra. As Guru Patik explains that it's located in the stomach, deals with willpower, blocked by shame. 
And here we see how horrified Aang still is about burning Katara after his brief studies uh, with Zhang Zhang in, in book one. And Aang is still maintaining that he won't ever firebend again. But Guru Patik reminds him that as the Avatar, he is a firebender. There's no way around that. And he has to let go of his shame, which he does, followed by a very impressive belch that yeah. smells like <laughs> bananas and onions. Flying through the <laughs> chakra <laughs> test. Yeah. 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 Flying through. But it has been a minute since we thought about him firebending and thought about, yeah. you know, we have not returned to him feeling that no. way about burning Katara for a long time. And then this is su- such a great moment where you go, oh, yeah, that's yet another thing that Aang has been carrying around with him. He accumulated all these things on their journeys. And one of them is that he burned Katara because he was being reckless. So I love that this episode brings some of that stuff back. Like, oh, by the way, remember this horrible thing? Yeah, Aang's also has to, you know, he has to let go of that as well. And so now what's going on, we go back to our fake Kyoshi warriors. It's pretty much over their whole disguise thing. May's not a fan of the warrior clothes. She doesn't like that style, I guess. Uh-huh. We find out they stole their clothes from Suki and her team. And she's tired of serving the Earth King, which apparently includes cleaning up Bosco the Bear, guys. Bear, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which actually does sound awful and uh, awful, horrible, and not what I would have and expected <laughs> as one of their duties. I mean, they're the Kyoshi Warriors. But, like, can you also clean up the bear's poop? Thank you. Ty Lee, yeah. ever the optimist, is sailing all this better, as she always does. And uh, then I mentioned the whole thing about being seen by the Dai Li agent. They're doing this, and then it's all strategy, of course, thought of by Azula, mm-hmm. to be kind of eavesdropped on by the Dai Li agent. Um, and so this is the part where they just straight up confess their, their fire nation, seeming like it's a big mistake yeah. until we find out Azula planned it, right? And so... <sighs> She's just, I mean, I, I, you know, for a second you get like happy that like, oh, they're going to get found out. You're like, oh no. I definitely forgot. I was like, oh, yeah. It's a part of the plan. Yeah. Well, they do it so casually too, where, you know, she's doing back bends and flipping around in such a casual conversation, hat out in the middle of, uh, out in the open that you're like, oh yeah, this is all good actors. This may entirely. Yeah. Yeah. She's good. They're (laughs) all. She's in the circus. It's almost like some of them could be helpful if they fought for the other side, just saying foreshadow report. So let's check in on some chakra unblocking. Aang has made it to the heart chakra, which is all about love and blocked by grief. To be honest, I started tearing up even just hearing about this chakra, like just hearing the guru say it's about love and it's blocked by grief. I was like, here we go. Here we go. Um, <laughs> in a beautiful green glow, we see Monkeyazzo and all the other monks kind of laid out before him, this sort of pyramid. Jeremy's music is so good here as he has to let them go. You have indeed felt a great loss. But love is a form of energy. And it swirls all around us. The air nomads love for you has not left this world. It is still inside of your heart and is reborn in the form of new love. It is sad when you see them all like that and you're like, and they're gone. Yeah. For any of us who have lost anyone, um, you sort of just slip in the people you've lost for me anyway you see that triangle shaping out and as you can in the distance i'm like all my people are in there too you sort of find a place for each of them so it's so beautiful and it's so emotional um 
I'm actually glad that we played that clip instead of me having to say it out loud because I wouldn't have been able to get through it. Um, and so all this cleansing <laughs> goes so well that Aang is even ready for some onion banana juice, which is saying a lot. Now he's requesting it. My boy. He's in the game for sure. It's a good smoothie. Pass that smoothie. He's getting good. <laughs> he's loving that banana onion. Uh, it's probably just to clear the way because the next thing we get to is the throat chakra. Uh, which (laughs) deals with truth and is uh, blocked by lies. Of course it's blocked by lies. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. True. Uh, But we're not talking about the lies that people have told or what we tell to other people, but the lies we tell ourselves. And the biggest one that Aang seems to be facing is his own denial about being the Avatar. And he's now finally able to accept it. So to address the fact that Guru Patik and Aang are getting a lot of work done in a fairly short period of time, we're talking about he's flying through these things. He is flying, flying through these things, yeah. and we're up to the head already. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't even get to, he doesn't even get to sit with that because he's just right onto the next chakra, exactly. which is the sixth, the pool of energy, the light chakra that exists in the center of the forehead, uh, the forehead, and its focus is insight blocked by illusion. And we have to play what Guru Patik has to say about illusion because it's one of the most beautiful lines in all of Avatar. The greatest illusion of this world is the illusion of separation. Things you think are separate and different are actually one and the same. All these chakras are really heavy. So intense. It goes by so fast. I kind of feel like it goes by too fast. I know it's like this is Avatar and they have to squeeze it in and everything. But like it is a compliment to the show that I feel right. like that goes by too quickly because they're it's so beautifully this written. This could be a so beautifully animated. of him doing this. Yeah. 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 I want to see it. I want to see it all. But each one is still so impactful, though, because you like you said, you remember all of these moments over the course of what we've been watching now for two seasons. And it's like you get to see all of these things, you're like, oh, this was not resolved. This was not yeah. dealt with. And this is a point where we are literally resolving things that, like, not just tying up loose ends, but, like, doing the work to get past where he's at. And that's uh, that's really intense. Yeah. That's intense writing right yeah. there. Because it, it's, a, it's a lot in a very short amount of time. And I think it feels fast, but it's not. It's not too fast, I think. It doesn't take away from the impact is all I'm saying. No, you're totally right. I'm literally only saying that because I'm like... I think I need more time. Like I need to pause it and then walk <laughs> away and really think about it and then come back. But you're so right. It works so well for the plot. And yet it's also serving this dual kind of meta purpose of really taking us back to some of those moments and getting us ready for the finale of book two. It's masterful. I completely agree. It's incredible. The sentiment that the four nations are not different. They're not disconnected. And it's the same for the four elements. Um, that all of these things are connected, we're connected to each other, and that all of that, which has this fantastic transition into a revelation by our friend Toph. Yes, here we go, y'all. It's the goat. As Guru Patik speaks, we see that Toph herself is experiencing this reality of metal bending being part of Earth that has been purified and refined. And the way they animate Toph's exploration of metal on Earth is like really, we see this like super form of her sonic sight. And of course, she puts a big fat dent in the metal box. And then miles away, we cut to Katara and Momo getting distracted by a nice looking tea house on the way to the king with the battle plans, which I was at like, hold on a second, they weren't in the castle battle plan. I guess they were somewhere else. And then, you know, yeah. of course, you're like, oh, are you kidding me? It's like, this is the best Suko has been I think ever in the show. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. The lightest he's been ever. And of course, here comes Katara and Momo just ambling by. 
And they're only yeah. a, a couple steps away from the doorway. And the guitar like spots, what? Is that Zuko and Iroh busy at work? And then I thought there was going to be an altercation at that moment. But then yeah. she just pieces out real quick. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, oh no, this is all bad. And then uh-huh. back at the Air Temple that night, Aang is facing his final chakra the thought chakra at the crown of his head and clearing this chakra will enable Aang to finally control the avatar state and going in and out of it at will, which he needs to get under control and be fully present and aware when he's in that state. Yeah. But first he's going to have to clear himself from earthly attachments. Right. And here we see Katara glowing in this really beautiful, I know I keep bringing up the colors, but this one in particular, it's that almost ultraviolet, the ultraviolet that bees can see and that, you know, we yeah, sort of understand really like, beautiful. oh, we've gotten to the the end of our spectrum and then the spectrum continues on for other creatures. And this gets almost psychedelic. Yeah. It is almost psychedelic. Yeah, it is a stunning time. color. I had forgotten that they master that color so beautifully. Yeah. Um, that color is as beautifully rendered as anything I've ever seen in animation yeah. because it's a very strange, special color. And I feel like they totally nail it. Um, and so there she is in this glow. And Aang can't believe that he would have to let go of her. Um, and can we blame him? Why would I let go of Katara? I, I, I love her. Learn to let her go. Or you cannot let the pure cosmic energy flow in from the universe. Aang really resists this idea of letting his love yeah. of Katara go, his love, which he ends up saying he loves her. Okay. And, uh, yeah. it, you know, he doesn't want to let that go to open big, that big final Katang moment chakra. Here. Yeah. And while he battles that direction, uh, Katara herself has raced to the palace to see the Kiyoshi warriors for the first time, cannot wait to anxiously tell them about her sighting of Iroh and Zuko. But the moment... You know, the one you sort of wish had happened when Kui uh, was talking to them and you're like, the eyes, look at the eyes. That happens with Katara. She oh, does she exactly what eyes. you think is going to happen. She, she, she saw yeah, them as eyes quick. She speaks, Katara and Momo. Oh, they realize so quickly what's going on. No. But before they can do anything, Tai Lee, so powerful with She's her key blocking, immobilizes Katara, She's does quick. not break a sweat. It's a horrible shot. That overhead shot when the water's just around her like she's bleeding out. Oh, but it's just so, water. Oh. But it's horrible. Oh, no, it's it looks so like she's bleeding out. It, it looks, looks like she's yes. bleeding out, it's but awful. it's water. It's That's awful. a great point. And that was my takeaway from like how that scene ends. You're like, Azula is so good at making people feel like they're in a living nightmare. <laughs> like She's totally. so good at creating these scenarios that just mess with you to where you're like, this is a bad dream. It must be a bad dream. This can't be really happening. Yes, it is. And Azula is She's too it. bad. She's Guaranteed. too good that she's so bad. Yeah. And then off of that awful image, uh, we're oh. back at the Air Temple. Aang finally officially announces to Guru Patik that he can't or won't let go of Katara. Guru Patik persists, and Aang's going to give it one last try. We have to point out the really stunning animation again, just because I have to say but that it's... It's gorgeous because you still see all the facial expressions. I mean, it's all light, right? It's all light and dark and right. shadow. And it's like this violet and blue color scheme, shifting cosmos. Aang's hovering over himself. <laughs> like, yeah. And then there's a, Super there's a path of light that's leading him to his own avatar state. And when his arrows start to glow, he smiles. And this is it. It's the moment he's been working towards. But the ritual is broken by Katara's scream. 
And the deep connection that Aang has with her allows him to see the danger she's in. And he turns away from that light, turns from the Avatar state racing, plummeting back to the corporeal world. And there's no time to waste. Appa and Aang fly off. Even as Gurupatik warns Aang that leaving now is going to prevent him from being able to go into the Avatar state altogether. Like, not just not control it, but just not go into it. It's awful. He makes that choice. But finally, something in the shocker stops him. Finally. <laughs> yeah, My goodness. All the rest of it was too... Pause yeah. a little bit on the chakra train. a little bit satisfied by that. <laughs> it was all a little too easy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. And then we go back to Shin Fu and Master Yu. And we hear a giant clanging sound behind them, which turns out to be a giant hole ripped in the metal cage. That's right, y'all. Toph is free and very available to make them regret capturing her. She then sticks them into the box and seals it shut, followed by a favorite line of fans everywhere. Yeah. I am the greatest earthbender in the world. Don't you two dunderheads ever forget it. And then she, like, rides the earth like a wave off into the distance. At this point, forevermore, she's the goat of just (laughs) earthbenders of all time. I mean, this solidifies. We knew she was, I mean, since she came in hot on this season with Blind Bandit and just beating up all the older guys and just Uh killing people as the Blind Bandit, now in this season, she solidifies like, I am indeed the greatest of all time, Earthbender. And it's like, yes, uh, we bow down. I also want to say, I feel like I have kept the Tron references to a minimum. I'm not even sure I've brought up Tron in book two. (laughs) But when she is figuring out how to metal bend... I do feel like that reminds me of the original Tron. It doesn't have to remind anyone else of that. But Mike and Brian, I want you to know I see I see where you're going, for sure. And I love it. (laughs) How many times have you taken a bite out of a banana only to realize that chewing is so overrated? Hey, banana, you probably asked it. Why aren't you juice? Well, now you can get the great taste of banana without the hassle of using your teeth. Sure, that's great, you say, but what about the onions I always eat with my bananas? Friends, we've got you covered. Temple Banana Onion Juice gives you that great banana onion flavor you crave, now available in a can. Temple Banana Onion Juice. Don't yuck my yum. Okay, so they could end the episode with that. They could end the episode with Toph being like, I don't know, what if the entire planet was my skateboard? Like, you could just end with that. But it is not the end of the episode. We shoot over to Sokka and Hakoda, where the Water Tribe prepares for the fight. Sokka, he feels like this is his big chance, right, to make his dad proud, which is adorable because, of course, his dad is already incredibly proud of him. All this time, Sokka's maybe felt like he was left behind when the men went off to war, but his dad frames it as him having trusted Sokka to keep the tribe safe. But before they can get on their ship, Aang and Appa swoop in, and this was not the plan. He is coming back way too soon. Sokka immediately knows that something very bad must have happened. And here, I mean, talk about, like, flashing. We're going there. We're going there. Like you were saying, Mikasi, like, let's check in with them. Remember this? What about this? This is also huge. Like, it's a lot. Yeah. So much happening. Because back in the busing say, and Azula's being dragged into Longfeng's cell, pretending to be horrified that this is all happening. We know it's straight up her plan. But she lets Longfeng think that it's his idea, Mm -hmm. which is a great tactic. Uh, Longfeng needs the trust that the Earth King has for Azula, and he in turn says that he can deliver the Avatar. So over at the Jasmine Dragon, Iron Zuko, wrapping up work for the day, when a messenger delivers the news that they'll be serving tea to the Earth King, which is very exciting for them. Incredibly worrying for us. It also bummed me out 
just personally yeah. watching Iroh like achieve this incredible goal, and then knowing what it means. It's, it was a great way. To, the audience is ahead of them, know, and it's not. A, it's just like, can oh, me and Uncle just be happy I for know, like half an episode? I know. I think you need a whole day of serving people tea. Uh, <laughs> I know. We're just getting um, this thing going. Give us a little yeah. time. It's worrying for us, is there? Because we're thinking, is there any way that maybe Azula doesn't have anything? To, but of course, we see Azula being taken back to her quarters, looking about as smug as an animated character ever looked, yeah. uh, and that is the end of the episode. It's so stressful. <laughs> this is a dense, dense, dense it's episode. It's such a great episode. It's a lot. And I, I, we should take a second to talk about the Swamp Bender because in many ways we feel he is this compatriot of Guru Patik and who first kind of introduced some of these really big concepts, big picture concepts about time, about death, about love, about everything being connected. And that uh, happened back in the swamp. And McGizzy, I know when we were talking about what episode to have you on, these two were two of your favorites. I know, like us, you love the entire book, but um, I thought it was really interesting. And I love that we would have had you on for the swamp and and it didn't work out timing wise and instead we have you for the guru and yet we have this like perfect through line like there is a stitch that goes yeah. that that penetrates every other episode and leads a straight line to the guru from the swamp right so um is that a, is that a coincidence no 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 i think it deals with these big overarching things that the entire series is about that each chapter is you know like sort of leads up to which is when you have like a destiny like ang has which is, you know, you're going to be the avatar. You're going to be this all-powerful sort of being for the course of your life through this generation. I think that the natural thing, especially for a kid who's seen some of the things that he's seen and has done some of the things that he's done, is like to go away from it, to be very separate from it, to take yourself sort of out of the world, which he did. But it only made things so much worse. I think that the differences that people have, not to get too social and weird or whatever about it, but the differences that people have when people only sort of focus on those things, it can create some strife. And you, all you see is in other, something that's yeah. different, something that's outside of yourself. And so, you know, the Fire Nation attacking is is a great metaphor for that. Who's like, all of these other people, not only are they different, but they're lower than us. And they sort of use this sort of rhetoric to, to take over the rest of the world. The thing is, everybody is... They're all a part of this world. They are a part of this singular sort of organism, which is this world, this earth. And they are all, everyone is connected to the other. And then the avatar exists as sort of like a reminder of that to sort of yeah. keep the peace and to make sure that everybody knows like we're, there is no difference really fundamentally between any of us. And that is one of the first places that's hinted at are in these backwoods, weird hick, hillbilly swamp weirdos that are hanging out. <laughs> hanging really out, you know, dressing up as like, yeah, yeah, dressing up as swamp monsters. I love that. This wisdom comes from this place where you think that wisdom wouldn't come from. That this sort of, he's like, no, this is, the water flows through everything, man. Like, yeah. and the water flows through everything, but that's the whole world. Fire is in everything, and earth is in everything, and air is in everything. You know, we're all made up of all of these elements. They are all sort sure. of the same thing. And that theme runs through both of these episodes in really beautiful ways. That's why I love them both so much. I'm so glad that you brought all of that up. And I feel like, I don't think it's, like, crazy to say that if the Avatar were here with us right now, like, their number one goal would have to be the environment, right? Because that's what we're looking at right now. It's like, okay, everybody, but like, can we just kind of hug up for a second and like recognize (laughs) that we all breathe this air together and we all like we're connected and we are all having this experience and we need to take care of business because this is what we got. 
and we need to take care of it. So I feel like his journey and seeing all of these different people and then helping remind us how connected we all are is so key and so beautiful and definitely one of my favorite things about the show. Do you want to shout out the chakras for a sec? Yes, of course. Shout out to Avatar Wiki for helping gather more information about the chakras, the color of Aang's visions for each chakra mirror the colors traditionally associated with the corresponding chakras. Red for the first, which is the lowest, and orange for the second, yellow for the third, through to purple, which coincidentally is the same order in which they are arranged in the visible spectrum, red having the lowest frequency, orange the second lowest, yellow the third, through to violet having the highest, which is... That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. And I, I mean, I, I, was, yeah. thank you, Avatar Wiki. I, yeah. I didn't even realize we were know. talking about we that. We wanted to right do now. an episode just on chakras, but like we had so much to talk about and it just ended up happening. But um, I could definitely spend uh, at least an episode talking about the chakras and how much sense course. that makes and the connection between the spirit and the body. However, you interpret like that or where, through you know, it real quick. Yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, he <laughs> tore right through it. He's the Avatar. What do you want? Uh, but even he struggled. Um, I don't think we see any new animals. This is not an animal-heavy episode. It is heavy in every other way. Um, Let's talk about who has the most valuable bending and most valuable non-bending. Good luck to us all because Uh, there's a lot going on in this episode. Bending, I think. The metal bending. The discovery of metal bending, obviously. Yeah, okay. All time. Ripping things apart is... (laughs) World-changing. Yeah, literally world-changing. Yeah. It's, it's, You're right. That yeah. was actually a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it totally is. It's a it paradigm totally shift in, in, in at least earthbending, for sure. Yeah. All time. This was the, the root of it. The beginning. Toph yeah. in a metal box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what's interesting is that when we've discovered new bending uh, over the course of the show, whether it's, you know, like I said, in, in the swamp, we got, you know, these creepy guys that are using the water that is in living plants. And then to a different right. degree, you got blood bending, which is terrible on its own. Like, there's always some weird sense of like, ooh, this is too much power for somebody to kind of have. Mm. That doesn't exist in this one. Yeah. When Toph bends metal, like you just cheer, you jump off your couch, yeah. and you're like, yes. yes, you like get into it with yes. her because you're like, this is in the right hands right now. <laughs> this kind of power is in yes. exactly the right hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well totally. said. That's so true. And then most valuable non-bending, I mean, the stuff that's going on with the guru and Aang is, it falls into that weird category that we've talked about before, where it's sort of almost spirit world-ish with sort of feels like its own category in a sense, because it's almost bigger than bending in a way. Um, So it's like, does it go in bending? Maybe. Does it go in non-bending? Maybe. Um, What do you guys think? How are you feeling about some non-bending moments in this episode? I don't know. I mean, on the evil side, whatever Azula's doing is all no, powerful. No bending needed. She's just out here just Conniving. causing. <laughs> yeah. Plotting yeah. away very well, I might add. Full on, I'm in bossing. See, I've done things that no one in my Fire Nation has been able to do, including the great dragon of the West, <laughs> Uncle Iroh, get into the belly of the beast. And now no. I'm going to pull strings to do what I need to do to take down this city that was untouchable is it also <sighs> weird though that i would just watch zuko and iroh have a tea shop 
all day. Like I would just watch him rattle off right. orders. <laughs> like he was just so happy. He was Absolutely. so happy. And like you need that moment and to Zuko know. And Zuko's being so helpful. Yeah. He, Zuko's into it. He's proud. Yeah. We can create a little video game like <laughs> yeah. Animal Crossing. It's just <laughs> Uncle Iroh and Zuko making tea for people. And it's so stressful because yes. I don't know if they want the jasmine tea or the chamomile tea. And Zuko's yeah. running around. Don't drop any tea. How many things of tea can he deliver in this shift? Yeah. I'm fully, fully into it. I love them, and that is, it's so short-lived, and it's a super, super bummer. So, yeah, going into the uh, the metaverse and just being able to chill and, like, use that as your relaxing time, like, I think I'll just go to the tea shop for a while yeah. and check Let's in with my shop. buddies. <laughs> um, brilliant. McGizzy, thank you so much for doing this highly important and action-packed episode yeah, with us. Yeah, man. Thank I you so much for hanging it. out no, with Thank us. you for having me. Dropping awesome. all the knowledge on us, as you always do. <laughs> trying to. McGizzy, um, yeah. anything else you want to tell us about where we can find you? Anything else? Should people find you online? Yeah, sure. It's uh, McGizzy Pensano. I'm Googleable. It's just usually just M Pensano or some version of that. Feel free. Go find McGizzy. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Avatar Braving the Elements. And hey, make sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a review. All of that really helps the podcast so much. And we love you guys. Next week, we get to meet and learn more about Greg Baldwin, who played Uncle Iroh in Book 3 and beyond. You can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter. And I'm at Dante Bosco on both of those. We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 